You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Line of Scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. Lock yourselves in as we chatted up with a member of the media from FSU's next opponent. My name is Tim Allenball, and after FSU's Week Zero victory over Duquesne, the level of competition doesn't just step up, it takes a huge leap forward with a game against the LSU Tigers. And to help our listeners get to know the Tigers better, we have Zachary Junda from our SB Nation sister site and the Valley Shook. Zachary, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm very excited to, as college football Twitter likes to say, Talk about the Knowles. <laughs> Talk about the Knowles. Uh, that is a double-edged sword. Sometimes it's uh, it's good news, and sometimes it's awful news. So uh, that's uh, that's scary when you just kind of throw that out there. <laughs> I, I really wanted to start with a like a Brian Kelly purple face LSU purple question, but I just couldn't piece it together. So uh, I'll, I'll spare you. I'll spare you those jokes because that is like a a Knowles Twitter favorite to, to talk about. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, let's start with the obvious. If it wasn't for Lincoln Riley's covert sudden move to USC, I think the biggest college coaching headline this offseason would have been LSU landing Brian Kelly. Um, how has his arrival specifically rejuvenated this program after kind of the, the downward slope in the last years of, of Orgeron? And what do you feel is specifically Kelly's strengths compared to his previous regime? It's been really, once you kind of got over like the, uh, the ickiness of the uh, Brian Kelly, <laughs> you kind of thought about it. You're like, huh, Brian Kelly, you know, and he's, he's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. He's got more wins of among uh, any college football coach in the game right now. 
And you think about it, Notre Dame's a hard place to win. And he won a whole lot of games at a place that's got really strict academic requirements that, and they can't really recruit the type of athletes that NL Shear and FSU can, because they just, our schools just don't require such stringent things. So you think about it and you kind of think, man, if Kelly can get to the college football playoff twice in a five year or six year span with the handcuffs on, you take those handcuffs off at a place like LSU where there's freak show high school talent, you know, mere minutes from campus, you think, wait, this can work. Um, The standard is a national championship. You know, you've had Saban, Miles, Orgeron, last three coaches, all won national championships. And Kelly, frankly, is a better football mind than Orgeron and Miles and probably an equal to Saban. So it's, it's fair to think and assume, and for me at least hope that, this is eventually going to end with a championship, if not championships, but I don't want to be greedy. It's also just nice. Speaking of Saban, it's just nice to have like an adult back in the room because the Orgeron stuff, when he was a character and they were winning, it was cool. You know, it's like, Oh, there's that crazy coach. Oh, punching himself in the face and chugging uh monsters and Red Bulls. That's really funny. But when you start losing, you're going five and five and then six and seven, you kind of look at them. You're like, wait, this guy's kind of a, a clown. This guy's, this is, I, I can't deal with this. I mean, just the way he botched the, uh, like last year's Arkansas game where he started Max Johnson for a series and then took him out and played a true freshman for the rest of the, the game, you know, and not, not even to mention just all the off-field stuff about getting photographed in bed with women and the, the terribly aged Bo Pelini comment about, this 2020 defense is so far ahead of where the 19 defense was and the plenty defense and 20 wound up being literally the worst unit in school history. Um, and then he came out and said, well, I didn't even uh, interview Bo Pelini. It's like, well, you don't have to tell us that Ed, just keep that to yourself. <laughs> it's just nice to have a bit of um, just professionalism back, back in the room. Not to say that Orgeron wasn't, but when it got bad, it just looks like, uh, an overgrown frat bro, you know, and now, now there's like an actual adult back in the room. That's uh, it's kind of reminds me of the Taggart era at Florida state, not the frat bro, mm-hmm. but kind of like, you know, like the players coach, he was there to, to be their friend more than their coach and the turnover bag and all that insanity at Florida state. Uh, it was nice to have the level of disorganization gone uh, to mm-hmm. see Norvell bring that in. Now we haven't had the success that we would want, but uh, I, I understand that that sentiment, definitely. Um, so the Tigers are going to start the season with several new faces on offense. Uh, I want to look at the skill positions first, and then we'll kind of talk about the offensive line second. Uh, I think wide receiver is probably the area with the highest upside or or veteran you know, uh, background, if you want to call that, with, uh, with Keishon Boutte leading the way. Um, starting running back John Emery, as of this recording, is suspended for the game opener. I know he was trying to appeal that. And then last year, starting quarterback Miles Brennan has left the team. So I guess really, what's your confidence level in transfers Noah Kane at running back, Jalen Daniels at quarterback, or uh, sophomore Garrett Nussmeyer? Miles Brennan well, for he wasn't the starter last year. He didn't play at all last year because of an injury. So he was the the sentimental favorite. But Scott Wilber is not paying Brian 
Brian Kelly $100 million for sentiments. You know, he's, he's paying for wins and he, and he wants to win. So with, with Jaden Daniels, the ASU transfer, Daniels has like 30 starts under his belt and Brennan has three, you know, and it's just, hey, man, we're trying to win. And Daniels, his skill set, if you look at the offensive coordinator, that's Mike Denbrock and the quarterbacks that Kelly has had success with and Denbrock had success with, you know, like uh, Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati with uh, Denbrock last season. Uh, Kelly's had, you know, guys like Malik Zaire, even Ian Book is a pretty mobile quarterback. Miles Brennan wasn't that skill set. And it, I, I always assumed when Daniels transferred to LSU in March, this is after Brennan took his name out of the portal. I always figured it was just a matter of when, not if. And I, and I hate putting it that way, but let's just call it what it is. Brennan's just a statuesque quarterback and he's 22, 23 years old, a, a six year senior. It's a great story, but we're, we're trying to, we're trying to win games here. Daniels has that skill set. He's a little erratic or, or at least his, his numbers have decreased from a pretty stellar freshman season at ASU. I mean, he, he outdueled uh, Herbert, Justin Herbert uh, against Oregon as a freshman and uh, really ended uh, Oregon's whatever slim playoff chances they had remaining. ASU put a, not to pun, but they put a fork in them, you know, go, uh, go Sun Devils. Um, those numbers did take a dip in 2020, but, you know, that's, that's the COVID year. And I think Arizona State only played four games, so can't really make any grand uh uh, declarations either way. I, I don't know. And last season, I think he had 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, but he could also really move. And that's something that in a Denbrock type offense is going to lend itself uh, very favorably, especially with questions at the offensive line, to put it uh, gently. The reason I'm confident in a guy like Jaden Daniels, his best season was his freshman year. He had a guy uh, he had Brandon Ayuk to throw the ball to. And Brandon Ayuk went on to be a first-round pick by the 49ers. He's got several uh, future pros at receiver. Butte is probably the first or second receiver taken this spring. Uh, a kind of flex tight end receiver mesh. Uh, Jack Besh is a really good guy that uh, Knowles fans should learn uh, between now and whenever uh, Sunday's game happens. Uh, Malik Neighbors, that kid is a he has that dog in him, as the kids like to say. Uh, Brian Thomas Jr. is a physical freak. He's a 6'4 kid, and he had a lot of um, uh, D1 basketball offers, and he knows how to really use his body. So there's weapons all around at uh, the school, skill position. And running back-wise, I am pretty feel pretty good about the running back room. With uh, Now, it's thin because you only have – uh, assuming Emory's still suspended by the time uh, Sunday rolls around, you've only got – Technically three, but one was a technically three scholarship running backs, but one Josh Williams is a converted walk-on. So really two uh recruitable athletes coming out of high school, Kane and uh Armani Goodwin. Kane was a pretty good player at Penn State his freshman year in 2019, but he had uh, an ACL tear, I believe, on the first series of uh, the 2020 series and didn't really regain his footing back in 2021. So if he's healthy and now, now he's at least 20-ish, 22 months removed from that injury, you would think he's ready to roll again. Armani Goodwin has put on some good weight. He's on the shorter side, like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he's bound 210 pounds now, so he can really bowl people over now. So he may not be like, a, um, you know, Elshie had a lot of success with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I don't think he's the receiving threat that Clyde was out of the backfield, but I think the tandem of Kane and Emery, or excuse me, Kane and uh, Goodwin can get the job done.
provided the offensive line can hold up its end. All right, we'll get to the offensive line in just a second. Of, I mean, Kelly came out today and said they're keeping the QB starter secret. Do you expect Jaden Daniels or do you expect uh, Nussmeyer? It's probably going to be both. Um, I think Daniels – I think the Daniels-Nussmeyer thing is similar to – I think either in 16 or 17 when Danny Etling got to campus, transferred from Purdue, and had they had Miles Brennan. I think Daniels might be the higher floor QB, but Nussmeyer could be the higher ceiling but the much lower floor. I think both will play. I don't think it'll be like a um, like a Chris Leak, Tim Tebow type of situation where right. there's like a specific like Nussmeyer package or a specific Daniels package. I think, and I don't know how many LSU fans are going to hear this, so, you know, cover your ears, LSU fans, if you hear this, it might be more like a Jordan Jefferson, Jared Lee situation where one guy's more of the, the running quarterback and one guy's more of the throwing quarterback. Now, I think the coaching staff is also a lot better than those just – awful LSU years, awful quarterback years, at least. Um, but I think there's a good chance, uh, unless I, – I'll, I'll go out there and say that Daniels is the first quarterback under center. And unless, like, barring Daniels has, like, a Joe Burrow against Oklahoma type of start, I think both will play. Gotcha. Daniels' legs definitely scare me. I know Malik Cunningham had a tremendous success against Florida State last year in the Louisville game until the second half. So. Uh, hopefully we don't see flashbacks of that. But staying on the new faces kind of topic, uh, LSU's starting offensive line is slated to have a true freshman at left tackle in Will Campbell. Uh, and a name that FSU fans are familiar with, FIU transfer, Miles Frazier, at one of the guard spots, probably left guard, I think is what I was reading earlier, is the offensive line an area that you or LSU fans are excited or nervous about? A little of both. Uh, excited, especially for Will Campbell, uh, a five-star uh, early enrollee freshman. I mean, he's 18 years old, and he's going to be starting protecting the quarterback's blind side. I mean, that, that's a rare feat in itself. Um, but, man, he, he's, he's, he's got it. He could be like a Lyle Collins or an Andrew Whitworth type if it all works out the way we're hoping it does. Um, it's basically a brand-new line across the whole line. Uh, Frazier, I, I'm surprised that Frazier's playing the inside. I thought with him being such a highly sought after transfer free agent, so to speak, you know, he was an all American or a freshman all American FIU as, as a tackle, but now he's playing on the interior. I thought he would be a right tackle, but maybe the jump in competition going from, I think FIU is the, is it the CUSA, maybe the Sun Belts, but going from that league to the SEC. Maybe they're a little – the coach staff is a little not, – not hesitant, but they want to ease them in before they kick them out wide. Um, the biggest question is going to be at center, and, and that's the scary part because nothing can happen if the quarterback to center exchange is, is iffy. Um, LSU's going to be starting Garrett Dellinger, who um, started some tackle, started some guard last year, but he's never played center before. so. If Florida State has uh, a, a strong defensive tackle unit, that could be an area that might be able be exploited. Uh, I haven't heard – I've heard Dellinger's had good days. I've heard he's had bad days stapping the ball. Um, 
and it, it could just we, we just won't know until we see it it gives me a lot of pause but I'm, I'm choosing to be optimistic that the center position especially will be okay because really it just it can't be worse than it has been the past two seasons <laughs> the uh, it's funny probably the biggest question mark for Florida State's offensive line right now is center as well as uh, Kaden Lyles, who they brought in as a transfer from Wisconsin, uh, is hurt so and out for the season. Uh, Mo Smith, who was the starter for the majority of the year last year until he got hurt, is banged up and didn't play in game one. And then Darius Washington, who is kind of all everything on the offensive line, only played a couple series uh, against Duquesne before going out after getting banged up. But um, so a, a little mirror image there. Um, and you talked about Florida State's strong defensive front, and I think that's probably the area of LSU's defense that I really want to most hear about is because I think that's probably their biggest strength on defense. Um, Coach Kelly hired Matt House from Kansas City, the Kansas City Chiefs. In the past, House has kind of jumped between three and four and four and three uh, in reading up on him. Um, has there been any indication uh, if multiple formations are going to be the same look at LSU? Or is it going to be a base 4-3 building on that strong defensive line of Smith, Roy, Gay, and Ojolari, if I'm saying that right? Um, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I think it will be a multiple look. I think be, uh, Matt House coached uh, Josh Allen, not quarterback Josh, but uh, linebacker Josh Allen at Kentucky. And I think B.J. Ojolari is almost perfectly suited to be the LSU version of Josh Allen. And he did a lot of uh, – I think he's playing the Jack linebacker spot. So he did a lot of stand-up rush in stuff. So I think that's where LSU will probably lend itself. One thing that I'm excited about this, uh, really the whole coaching staff as in a whole, I think they're going to, instead of be so committed to this is our system, this is how we're going to play, instead they're going to look at what they have to work with and make the system fit the players instead of trying to fit players into a system that doesn't work. This next to the wide receivers, this defensive front has the most future pros. Um, Ollie Gay really blew up after his, uh, he was a Juco transfer, really blew up in his first game in the 2020 season against Miss State. Uh, it just has this really good knack of getting his hands up and just knocking the ball down, get really good anticipation, but haven't really seen that since that Miss State game. He closed the 2020 season on a high note. Um, and the Ole Miss game, weirdly enough, the book ended with the two Mississippi Mississippi schools, but uh, in twenty one was down after uh, four games with a they called an upper body injury. I think that means labrum. They didn't really specify, but I heard labrum. Um, but he seems good to go. Um, you know, Ojolari's wearing the the famed uh, number eighteen. That's a, that's a big deal with the LSU program. He's he's a leader on and off the field. Um, he should be a first round pick come spring. LSU's also got two future first round picks at D tackle. Uh, Jaqueline Roy, number 99, should be going in the top 15 in this year's draft, the, uh, the junior out of Baton Rouge. And uh, number zero, people are really excited about Mason Smith. He was the, uh, you know, depending on what outlet you were using, he was either the top defensive tackle in the country or the top defensive lineman in the country. And he definitely looked the part last season and he should only get better this year. Smith might be the most talented lineman LSU's had since Glenn Dorsey. And it's, that's big comparisons to make. I mean, Dorsey 
is next to Joe Burrow, like LSU's most decorated football player ever. And, and Smith has that same kind of talent. He can play inside. He can play outside. I think he's better suited in the interior. And uh, one, one piece I'm really excited to see, uh, LSU really did well in the transfer portal. And they brought in uh, freshman All-ICC D-tackle Makai Wingo. And he, he's not even starting right now. That's how deep and good the LSU defensive line is. So if Florida – kind of like you said, LSU and Florida State are mirror in, images of each other. If LSU's got offensive line issues that no defense can get after them, well, if Florida State's got offensive line issues, LSU's D-line can really get after those guys too. So it's fascinating to see them so parallels go up against each other. I mean, I mean it's funny, like – it's easy to say that this is probably Florida State's best offensive line in, in since Jimbo Fisher days. Uh, it's just coming out of the uh, out of the, the preseason. The center spot is is probably the most uncertainty. And, and honestly, reading about LSU's defense, that's probably the biggest spot that they can take advantage of. Really quick, uh, just some I guess high level thoughts on the linebacking core and the secondary for LSU. Linebacker, I feel okay about. They've got, uh, I'm sure FSU fans remember, but they've got Mike Jones Jr. from Clemson uh, who came to LSU and was really misused last season. He wanted to show he could be an NFL linebacker like, like, a, like a Devin White, to use an LSU example, but weirdly only played like seven games, like wasn't even on the field in the UCLA disaster when UCLA has, and I'm blanking on his name, but UCLA had a tight end just running wild. And Mike Jones Jr. is known for his coverage ability and yet never saw the field. Um, but Jones should be a starter, and it's looking like it could be a couple different things. If, if they are going with a 3-4 look, you could either see sophomore Greg Penn, who had a good Texas Bowl and really benefited from those uh, bowl game practices. You could see he's either a fourth-year or fifth-year senior, but Micah Baskerville is still a hanger-on from the 19 squad. Um, had a really good game as a freshman or redshirt freshman in the swamp in 2018. Um, LSU's highest commit in their signing class is Harold Perkins, who he's a New Orleans native but lived in Houston after Hurricane Katrina. He's really shooting up the depth chart. I think he's more of an outside backer as opposed to an inside backer, but I'm excited. I bought a lot of Harold Perkins stock. I'm really excited to see him. Secondary is where it gets dicey for LSU. Um, I'm a little more on the optimistic side because it's in basically an entire new secondary, but they're bringing in faces who are, you know, grad transfers, fourth year seniors or fourth year juniors, fifth year seniors. So like Jar Bernard Converse started 50 something games for Oklahoma state. Uh, Seven banks started three years at Ohio state, Greg books, Brooks and Joe Fouché, multi-year starters at Arkansas. And, uh, Makai Garner started a couple years at ULL. So they're all new faces. Yeah, but it's not like LSU's bringing in nothing but freshmen. So it can go either way. I think it just depends on how well they gel with each other. But I'm choosing to think happy thoughts with the secondary. Um, they may not have like, you know, LSU likes to call itself DBU. There may not be an obvious NFL corner on the roster at this moment, or at least not a not a first round talent like a like a Derek Stingley or a Tredavious White or Patrick Peterson, but they've got 22, 23 year old grown men basically back there instead. And I think 
and what will be kind of a just grit your teeth and get through it year, having all that experience is going to actually help LSU as opposed to hurt them. But they are, they're really thin at corner. Um, sorry to keep rambling on about this. Um, one of their corners, uh, Ray Darius Jones, was just deemed academically ineligible. And uh, he's a safety corner tweener, Jordan Tolls was a junior, put his name in the transfer portal maybe like a week or two ago. So you're already thin at corner and, you, and you're down two guys already. So you, you keep your fingers crossed if you're an LSU fan about that end. But if, if Florida State has an area they want to go after, maybe just try the bomb approach, you know, just and just really test the corners and see if they're ready for it. Uh, I mean, if you're going to get defensive back transfers, those are the type of transfers to get. You don't want those guys that couldn't start at those schools. So um, it'll be definitely interesting. Finally, how do you feel about this game from a from a confidence perspective? I mean, it's a great early challenge for both schools with a lot of new faces. Uh, what's your confidence level? I'd say like a five or a six, maybe a seven. If I, if I knew specifically who was starting and what the quarterback plan was, um, first off, I wish this game was a true home and home, not this bastardized New Orleans, Orlando thing that we're getting this year, next year. Just just play it in Tiger Stadium and, and Dove Walker. What are, what are we doing? Um, the thing that makes me nervous most of all, and I can't believe I'm saying this with LSU, uh, special teams are a huge question mark and that's that's not really the case with LSU typically I mean they we've been blessed with Cade York and and Cole Tracy back-to-back uh kickers even before that guys like uh like Colby Delahousse and Josh Jasper and Colt David LSU's quite literally starting over entirely at special teams new long snapper punter kicker uh special teams coordinator on top of everything else punt returner and kick returner you know, so like literally everything that you would need from the special teams unit, they're starting over. And for a team that's going to be playing or probably going to be playing a whole lot of close games, those special team things are going to add up. You could count on the last three years, you could count on uh, Cade York bombing it from 40 to 55 yards. And instead this year, LSU is going to be rolling with um, – He's a walk-on redshirt freshman. I believe his name is Damian Ramos, and he's from the Baltimore area. And it's like, all right, let's let's just see what we got. Um, so if it, if it's a a two-point game with LSU driving to take a take the win or try to take the win, I'm I'm sweating profusely if that if that happens because just maybe he can do it, but we've never seen it, and I don't think he's ever been in a situation where he has to do something like that. But I think with the game even though it's not a true home game, uh, a home and home, I think the, 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 the Superdome, the crowd advantage, and I think just the breath of fresh air that the whole Kelly coaching staff is going to bring. And frankly, it's, it's a better, more organized staff. I think that lends itself to, I don't know, like a 27, 26 type of win for LSU, but something super close and like, just don't even touch this if you're into uh, the uh, gambling side of things. Just stay away from this. <laughs> well, Zachary, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I want to have a little fun at the end. Uh, I do a kind of choose your own adventure question. Uh, so I'll give you three topics. You tell me where you want the question. Uh, last week, Florida State against Duquesne. 
one of the players for Duquesne's starting offensive line was gone because he just joined WWE's uh, whatever rookie program they have. So do you want a WWE professional wrestling question? Do you want a food-related question? Or do you want a TV show slash streaming question? If we're doing streaming, what show are we talking about? So, yeah, that's the question. It's going to be what's your what is your show that you're currently watching slash streaming? And then kind of a two-parter, what are your, uh, just off the top of your head, your top three TV characters of all time? Okay, uh, so what I'm watching right now, um, I watched, last night I watched uh, episode two of House of the Dragon. Um, I'm also watching uh, Harley Quinn on HBO Max. I'm watching Seinfeld. Uh, I just finished season five of Seinfeld, maybe like a week or so ago. I don't know about you, Tim, but I do this thing. Instead of watching multiple shows at once, I watch like a season of a show and then I'll pivot to the next show. For some reason, I just do it that way. Um, I just finished Abbott Elementary, the first season. I'm excited about season two coming back. I am reluctantly doing uh, a How I Met Your Mother rewatch. And I kind of hate How I Met Your Mother. At least the first season is really bad. And my fiance, we were watching an episode uh, a season one episode where Ted goes to a wedding and meets uh, Victoria, the the baker yep. who eventually becomes his girlfriend. And as she got up and left because she just couldn't take it anymore. It's such a show hasn't aged well, uh, and it's just not a good show. And I kind of hate it. And it's a shame because I really liked it when it was airing the first time around. Um, I could tough- uh, I could do a a total podcast series about how I met your mother and how much I loved it and now despise it. Yeah. So I, I'm yeah. right there with you. Yeah, we, sh- we should do that. Uh, I, I can go for hours on a uh, season nine and just how much of yeah. a waste of time I felt afterward. Yes. Um, the, 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 the listeners won't be able to see this, but I really dig the, uh, the Star Wars helmet. So I'm excited for a uh, Bad Batch season two, which I think is coming out next month. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm watching She-Hulk, of course. Um, I'm counting down the days till Mandalorian season three. Um, as for what's, what's my, it's my number of top three TV characters. Yeah. Um, Hank Hill. I love Hank Hill. Love King of the Hill. Uh, King of the Hill from the, the pilot episode is my, uh, my Twitter, uh, headline or banner image, whatever you want to call it. Um, maybe Saul Goodman is probably one of my favorites. I haven't finished Better Call Saul. So if you're listening to this, please don't spoil it for me. I didn't realize um, I, AMC isn't on Hulu. And I didn't realize that because I was binging season five of Better Call Saul to get caught up for season six. And then I didn't realize I didn't get that channel. So I was like, well, what's the point? So I just stopped. Uh, and I'll, I'll just watch it whenever it comes on Netflix. I'm looking at my Game of Thrones books. I've read the first two. I'm working on book three. I really like Tyrion Lannister. Um, and that's kind of a, a lazy pick. I'm trying to think of something more like, like someone, something somebody wouldn't say. Um, but I'm just blanking on like a truly off the wall pick. I mean, Maybe Ed from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Hank Hill's a pretty good one, you know, so Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, circling back to a couple of things. I have not watched Abbott Elementary yet. I really want to. Um, Great. I, I've liked a lot of the the snippets I have seen. Ted from How I Met Your Mother may be the worst TV show character of all time. Uh, yep, in my opinion. he sucks. 
And uh, on the Better Call Saul front, I think Mike Airman Trout is in my top three TV show yeah. characters of all time. So uh, I, I understand that sentiment. Well, Zachary, man, well, I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. What was your this. food question? If we, if we have time, what was your food yeah. question? So um, I, I have a degree from a college in Louisiana up in Shreveport, where you called that Arkansas, but um, from, a, from a small theology co- college up there in Shreveport. And when I went down there for graduation, they had a big cookout, and they had this massive bowl of crawfish that they had boiled. Mm-hmm. And they told me, and I, I didn't do this because I just, I'm not, I'm a very picky eater. They told me the way you're supposed to eat is basically you just crack the head open and head suck and you... it, suck it out. Yeah. Uh, it, is that your jam? Yes. Um, <laughs> some people also do the claws. I, I don't, I just don't think there's, there's not a lot there. There's no spice, but I, yeah, man. You got you got to kind of get over that fear. It, it's if they're seasoned right and there's enough juice in there, sucking on the heads. That's where the good part is. And I was actually thinking about making um, some kind of like crawfish or shrimp etouffee for Sunday night. I, I like treating my apartment as my own little small tailgate, and I really like I really enjoy making like Louisiana cuisine for football season. Uh, crawfish is in season, unfortunately, so I'll just have to settle for shrimp. Um, I'm very picky about my Cajun cuisine. I don't eat Cajun restaurants in a landlocked state like Tennessee, where I currently live. So I just make it myself and I'm pretty good at it now. That's fair. I, I don't blame you. It's like, I'm from, uh, I'm from Jacksonville and uh, I just don't eat seafood up here in Louisville, Kentucky. Cause uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a, I don't trust anything that comes out of the Ohio river period. <laughs> and then if it's not from the Ohio uh, you know, by the time you get here, it's it's probably terrible. So, um, so later this week, we're gonna have some questions up on uh, on Zachary's side and the Valley Shook. Uh, so excited to see what you've got in store for us. Hey, I've really enjoyed this, Zachary. Thank you so much for jumping on. I knew as soon as you jumped on and you had the Harry Potter symbol in the background with my Star Wars stuff in the background, that this was gonna be a great conversation. Yeah. And I'm repping the New Orleans jazz, not the Utah jazz, not the New Orleans Pelicans, but the New Orleans jazz. There you go. It's duly noted. <laughs> Zachary, thanks so much for jumping on. Uh, for Tomahawk Nation, I'm Tim Allenball. This has been the Line of Scrimmage podcast. We'll catch you next week.